Oh, Father, thank you for your, your great grace, your, your endless love. Father, that amazing, amazing grace. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this church that we can come together, that we can lift our voices up to you in praise, for you are so worthy. Father, thank you that we can open up your Bible. And we ask that you would open our hearts, that you'd open our minds, our understanding. And Father, today we, we seek that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you would direct us and challenge us today. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. We now yield to you, and we trust you for the good things that you're going to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and together we all said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Everyone doing good? Praise the Lord. Well, we're studying our way through the Word of God. If you're visiting with us uh, and don't have a Bible and like to study along with us, we do have some Bibles at the front and the back of the church. You're welcome to use those. And if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to keep them. Praise the Lord. Also, wanted to let you know, do you guys see the new fancy bulletins? On the back, there's a place for you to take notes. You know, and uh, uh, we kind of did that out of necessity because... I know some of you were writing notes on your shopping list and stuff like that, so let's try to help you out there. We did that. Praise the Lord. Well, we're in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings. We made it to chapter 14. I also need you to find and locate in your book. We'll be looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 26, so go ahead and find that, locate that. You will recall that 1 and 2 Kings covers the same material that 1 and 2 Chronicles covers. Kings is recorded in a... Uh, a, a historical setting from man's point of view. The Chronicles is recorded from a spiritual element from God's point of view. That's why we refer a lot to Second Chronicles uh, to, to fill in some of the things. We have been in our study, we have been looking at the different kings of both the nations of Israel and Judah. The narrative has been going back and forth, giving us a summary. Uh, we finished last week in chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 22. Two, looking at Judas king Amaziah. He was a, uh, he's the father of this next king we're going to study in detail, Uzziah. He, was, um, uh, he started off good, but he ended up in prison in Israel because he picked a fight with the wrong guy. We studied all that. We won't go into that again, but that's what's painting the picture for our study today. If you weren't part of that study, you can go online. You go on our YouTube channel. You can catch up. You can order a... Um, uh, a CD we have them at the at the I almost said phone booth. Do they even make phone booths anymore? <laughs> Sound booth. Sound booth. You know, no wonder Superman's not around. We ain't got no phone booths, right? You know, so, but we've got a sound booth and some some. If you need a CD, talk to them. Whew, we better get into the study, right? Well, we ended in chapter fourteen. Verses 23 through 29, the balance of the chapter, we're not going to read. I'm not going to read chapter 15, but I'm going to give you the breakdown of them. 2 Kings 14, 23 through 29, uh, we meet uh, Jeroboam II. He reigned in Israel for 41 years. It was the longest reign of any of the kings there. He restored Israel to the boundaries that, that Solomon had expanded the kingdom to. From the surface... He was a very successful king. The nation came uh, very prosperous under him. The military did very well. It was a time of great ease and comfort. However, that was man's point of view. From God's point of view, he was a failure. Let me just give you a couple uh, highlights here. 
the nation under Jeroboam II, they enjoyed power and prosperity. His military was a success, as I said. Uh, during his reign, the problem was the people became independent of God. Hosea and Amos, from the books we have in the Bible, ministered during this time. Check this out. Again, from the surface, it looked like Israel was doing great. They, were, they had plenty. All this stuff was happening. But look what God says through the prophet Amos in chapter 2. It tells us that in the land under Jeroboam, everything's going great, wonderful. Everyone had money in their pockets, all that stuff. But justice was perverted. The innocent people were being punished while the criminals were being made into celebrities and getting, you know, uh, getting Netflix contracts and There's nothing new under the sun, is there? You know, we, we, we're, 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 we're criminalizing the good guys and we're making heroes out of the bad guys. That was happening in that day. And the prophets were forbidden to speech. They couldn't preach the Word of God. Same in some part, parts of our world, some parts of our nation, some trying to do that here. In chapter 3 of Amos, we see that uh, the people neglected God's work but they built for themselves great houses. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a big house if you can afford a big house. But the problem was they were ne neglecting God. In verse 12 of chapter 3, it says it was a time of ease and comfort. They had no challenges in their life. Chapter 5 of Amos says that the men of God were rebuked and despised for their words. 2 Timothy 4, 1-3 tells us that in the latter days, they will reject sound doctrine. Same thing they were doing back then. Isn't that amazing? Then Hosea, writing about this same time, says that it was a period of time of thievery and oppression. The rich were getting richer, the poor were getting poorer. Chapter 3, it was a time of whoredom and the love of wine, great partying, low morals. Chapter 4, it was a time of lying. Lying, not the truth was very prevalent. In verses 2, murder and swearing abounded. Now the swearing here wasn't taking an oath, but talking nasty. You ever notice how horrible the world talks these days? I mean, it, it's kind of humorous. Well, it's sad, but it's humorous for me. People will be talking, especially men, and they're just talking filthy. And then someone will say, Clay's a preacher. Oh, excuse my language. I'm from Buckeye. I've heard it. I've tried. <laughs> but you need to be worried about what God thinks, right? And there's children and ladies around, and, and some of y'all gals can <laughs> cuss just as bad. But uh, anyway, it was terrible. And then in verse 14, adultery abounded. There was no respect in context. It was no respect or reverence for marriage. Hmm, interesting, right? There was an ignorance of God in the nation. And therefore, they rejected the Lord. Famous Hosea scripture. I'm, I'm going to call for it to be put on the screen. Hosea 4.6, you guys are familiar with it. God says, my people are destroyed. On the surface, they looked like they were doing great. But morally, they were trash. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And this, of course, is knowledge, fellowship of God. Because you have rejected knowledge, and again, this is knowledge of God, we've got a very smart world. We've got electronics. We've got a smart world, but a very dumb world concerning God. So God says, I'll also reject you from being priest for me. 
Now, he's talking to the whole people, the whole nation. Remember, they were to be the light of the world, just like we're called to be the light of the world. And God says, if you're going to treat me that way, yeah, don't be saying you're a Christian and living the way you are. Ooh. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. It's a bad thing to forget and neglect God, isn't it? But on the surface, everything was cool. Well, that brings us into chapter 15. Chapter 15, we meet seven kings. Five of them are from Israel. They're all bad kings. We're not going to read about them. I'm going to give you the breakdown. And two of them are good kings from Judah. Those are the ones we'll take some time with. The five bad kings are these. Uh, and I'm trusting that you will read this at home later because uh, I want you to read it. But let me tell you what it says. In verses 8 through 12, we meet the king Zechariah. This is not the prophet Zechariah or from the, the Bible book. This was a, uh, a king. 13 through 16, a king Salem. Now, he only reigned one month and he was assassinated by the next king. Verse 17 through 22, uh, his name was Menem. We get our, our word mayhem from this guy. He was crazy, he was cruel, and he was evil. Mayhem. Uh, after him, verses 23 through 26, Pekiah was a, uh, the next king. Verse 27 through 31, Pekah. All five of these kings were very bad. Uh, these are the summary statements. Please read them. But the beginning of the chapter, we read about King Uzziah. and the end of the chapter, his son, Jotham. Now, in verses 1 through 7, we read about Uzziah. His birth name is Azariah. His king name was Uzziah. Let's turn forward to 2 Chronicles 26. I told you to find that. Because in Kings, there's a summary of his life, but we get the breakdown of it in 2 Chronicles, and we're going to learn a lot of great things. And as you're turning that, let me give you a little summary of his life, and then we're going to look at it. Uh, he began to reign. He, began, he became king when he was only 16 years old. He reigned during the ministry of Zechariah the prophet. He defeated the Philistines and he took many of their cities and he also kept the Ammonites in tribute. Very successful king. He was internationally famous as being a strong king. He reigned for 52 years. He was an ambitious builder. And he was a farmer. He was a skilled farmer. He loved agriculture. He built up and he organized the greatest army on the planet at that point. He invented several new weapons. That's kind of cool, right? He brought Judah to the golden age, rivaling both King David and King Solomon, a very successful king. And he was a close friend of Isaiah, the prophet. Would you put on the overhead screen, please? Isaiah 6, 1. Yeah, kind of a familiar verse. But Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah, this king we're about to, to uh, read about, the year that he died, look what Isaiah said. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe was filled the temple a little side study here and that is please notice if you would please that in the time of our deep sorrow and hurt and loss we can experience God in a great way this is the prophet Isaiah Isaiah and God were pretty tight but he got this greater revelation of the awesomeness of God at a very sad time in his life when his buddy died Isn't that incredible so let's go back to second chronicles here with all that as a background uh he did some great things, but in spite of all the great things he did, he's remembered for something other than that. You get 2 Chronicles 26? Look at verse 21 to begin with. It says, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. 
all this stuff that he did, all the accomplishments he made, all the, the reforms he brought in, all the good things that happened, he's known as being the leper king. Well, he gives us two great lessons that we're going to look at today. The first lesson is uh, how to be great and successful with God. The second lesson is how to be dumb and destroyed by not following God. It's going to be a good study. You guys with me? All right. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 1. Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead, instead of his father Amaziah. You might recall from last week's study, Amaziah uh, isn't deceased at this point, but he's a prisoner of war in Israel. Remember, he picked a fight with Israel. Israel said, hey, you're just a, a weed plant. Don't be trying to take on the cedars. Remember that little story? Okay, if not, get the tape. They don't make tapes anymore. Boy, you see where I'm coming from. Phone booths and cassette tapes. man. All right. Reality check. Who had an 8-track? In their car, right? Before cell phones, CB. I had a CB in the truck, right? There are some cool people in here, right? Some, some old, old folks, but cool people. Yeah. But it's you know what I've found? Mature. No, I met some of you. I've found that if you just put the word vintage in front of everything, everyone will respect you. I'm, I'm vintage. Yeah. Hey, speaking of vintage, I don't know why it made me think this. I have the tax receipt thing. <laughs> you know, that has nothing to do with age. But see Kelly afterwards. I've been passing some out. Anyway, let's get back to the study. I don't know... I'm vintage, so my mind. He built Uzziah. He built Elath, a, an important city that they had lost. He built it up. He restored it to Judah after the king rested with his father. So after his dad actually passed away, things really, really uh, uh, take on from him. Verse 3. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Je Jecoliah of Jerusalem. Now, notice this. Here's, here's the important thing for us, friends. And that is, uh, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. Now, Amaziah drifted at the end. We know that. But he did some good things. We're, we're going to see with his father and with Uzziah is just because you start out well, that doesn't guarantee a good ending, right? But just because you start out bad doesn't mean you can't end up good. Right? We got an awesome God. So he's doing everything good. Check out verse 5. Important. Circle this one. Underline it. However you highlight your Bible, check out verse 5. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And check it out. Here's the key for you and I. Nothing else today. In the four hours I talk, if you, some of you are listening. In this lesson, if you, if you don't get anything, check this out. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now we say, oh, that's cool for the Old Testament king. That's awesome. You know, we have that same promise and assurance in the New Testament for you and I. For the screen, please. Matthew 6.33. This is for us today, friends. But seek ye first, first off, make it your priority. First, the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, a lot of people miss the righteousness. We want, you know, we want to be right with God, but we don't want to live right for God. Right? Shoe fits where? 
And all these things shall be added to you. You guys hear me say it over and over and over again. When we put God and let God be God, we can trust him with everything else. As long as he sought God, he prospered. Check out some of the things about prospering here. Uh, and again, we will see from his life the opposite of that. If you don't seek God, you won't prosper. But check out some of the, the benefits of seeking God, how God will prosper you. The first one we see in verse 6 through 8, and that is that God gives us victory over our enemies. Check it out, 6 through 8. And he went out and he made war against the Philistines, and he broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Jamna, the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gerbel, and against the Menunites. Verse 8. Also the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. Now notice this. When we follow God, when we make God God, and not ourselves God, when we seek him with our whole hearts, the first one of the first benefits is that we have victory over our enemies. A couple of, of things here. Notice what God did. God helped them break down the walls of the enemy. Let me take just a minute to, to bounce a couple things off of you here. Walls were, were those strong holds. In Jericho, what, what was the first thing they had to do? Knock these walls down, right? Friends, how many of you know that the enemy will place walls around us. And we can only break these strongholds through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I've seen from ministering at Church on the Street with Walt Retray and the wonderful people down there, and that's a, it's a very unique and challenging ministry. A lot of, a lot of people are, are ensnared and chained and, and walled in with different things there. And God will shatter those walls. When the men of Israel were walking around Jericho, when they just walked around, nothing happened. But in obedience to God and under God's direction, when they gave the shout, God knocked the walls down. Friends, you're not trapped in a trap that God can't get you out of. Right? God allowed them to break down these walls. Some of us, some of us need walls breaking, broken down in our life. But it's not done there. Not only did he break the walls down, but he, in response, look at verse 9, and Uzziah built towers. Okay? In verse, uh, in verses 6 through 8, he rebuilt these cities. Now he's building towers. What was the purpose there? The purpose there was once we get this victory, once God breaks down those walls, we've got to do what we can to make sure the, the enemy doesn't rebuild them. Right? These towers, they were preventative. They were so you could see a, an attack coming. It's so you could battle. A lot of people will, will, will get a little victory from God they will release and relax their, their defenses. And next thing you know, they're caught right back in the same sin. The same thing's happening, right? So not only do we get victory, once you get victory from God, then we got to work to keep up the defenses. Does that make sense? You guys see what he's saying? So he broke down the walls, but then he rebuilt the cities. Let God knock down the walls of Satan, but rebuild you up in his grace. Does that make sense? So he, he built these towers. Everything's cool. It says he built the towers in Jerusalem at the corner gates, the valley gate, the corner buttress of the wall, and then he fortified them. 
Once again, I love this. He put these towers on the corners. We need to make sure our life is surrendered. Some of us are pretty good at defending certain areas of our life, but very slack in other areas of our life, right? We, uh, he defended it all, and then he fortified them. But look at the next thing here. Verse 10, God brings pros- prosperity and increase even in our desert places. I love this. Verse 10, he built towers in the desert. And check this out. He dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. He also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. Notice this. God will bring blessing even in our dry places. In the desert where no one farmed because there's no water, what did he do? He dug a well. A couple of points here for us. The first point, most obvious, is that God will give water to the thirsty. And there is no desert that God can't bless. We might think that that wayward spouse, that wayward child, that wayward co-worker, something is, is, is beyond God's ability to reach. Friends, that's not true. But God might use you to dig the well. Right? He, he may call you to be a witness. I was asked this week, someone was trying very desperately to, to, to be a hope and be a light and to be a friend to somebody and, it, and they were just being rejected and, and you know how it is sometimes when you're trying to help someone who's lost and all you're trying to be is a friend and trying to bring them Jesus, right? You, you kind of get rejected and that happens. And this person asked me, Pastor Guy, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. And I think it was inspired by God, but I think I gave good advice and that advice was just be there. Just, just be there. Right? Keep praying for them and just be there. Sometimes we will dig the well, but God gives the water. Jesus told the lady at the well who was desperately trying to fulfill her life uh, through people. She had five husbands and that didn't work out, so she had another man that she was living with. She was an outcast from society. She couldn't come draw water when the other ladies did. She had to be out there in the middle of the day when it was hottest. But Jesus said, hey, if you drink the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. Now, she received that message like a lot of people received the message of Jesus. She said, give me that water, right? She thought it was physical water. And a lot of people, you know, the Jesus stuff is all right if it will give me an, an instant satisfactory answer for my problem. But we're talking about a lifelong thing, right? Jesus said, oh, you don't understand. (laughs) This is a spiritual thing. So we give them the spirit. Also notice that there is, I think I just said it, there is no desert that God can't water, right? Let's dig some wells and bring the love of God. Uzziah, he reached out to do something that had never been done before. Take a step of faith. We have a little saying at Lighthouse, if you've been here long, you've heard it. It's a little phrase we say, load the truck. That's a way of saying, take a step of faith. If you don't know, Sister Lucy, who ministers in Mexico, uh, totally dependent on God for that work. We're blessed to be partnered with her in that. But one day, uh, uh, Brother Brother May, Bill May, was laid on his heart to give her some finances, some, some cash. And so... He drives over there, and she's loading up the truck. She takes food, she takes clothes, she takes all the stuff. She's loading it up, and, and uh, Brother Bill says, God just told me to do that. And she thanked him and praised God because she had no money. 
and no gas. But she was still loading the truck to go. So we have this little saying to encourage each other, load the truck. We don't know what's going to happen. Don't know how God's going to make. But take the step of faith and load the truck, right? I talk about loading the truck. I got three bids on carpet this week. I ain't even got a truck to load, friends. But we want to want to do that, right? We got stuff we want to do. We got to start stepping out in faith and trusting God. Let's keep going. Don't be afraid to plant in the desert. I'm kind of going off here. Let's let's keep going. The third thing that we see uh, as a result of following God is in verses 11 through 15, and that is that God gives us wisdom, strength, and creativity for whatever we're facing. This is a neat part of Scripture. Verse 11, Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies according to the numbers on their rolls and uh, as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and I can't say these guys' names. He's the officer under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The total number of chief officers, it's just the, the chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600. Under their authority was an army of 307,500 that made war with mighty power uh, to help the king against the enemy. Here's the first thing we need to understand when God gives us the wisdom, strength, and creativity. Please notice, first of all, he had an army. What does this mean to you and I? This means that whatever you're facing, friends, you've got an army in your brothers and sisters in Christ. God has not called us to be alone in what we're doing. He's given us the brethren, so that's why we need to surround ourselves with people of faith who who are prayer warriors and willing to stand with you and for you, right? He had this, this army to help him win. The second thing we see here in verse 14, check it out, verse 14, then Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. Uzziah prepared them, right? That's so important. One of my goals as a pastor, I'm, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a good pastor, but I like to teach the Bible. And the reason I like to teach the Bible is because our faith grows, right? It makes us stronger. You notice that in the New Testament, God gave his people battle armor, not a leisure suit. But too many churches now are wanting to, to dress their Christians in leisure suits and not battle armor, right? If all you get is fluff and stuff, man, when the battles come, you're going to flee. The Bible says in the, in the end times that there'll be a great falling away. Let me just give you Clay's version. This is not a thus saith the Lord. I didn't see a burning bush or have an angel visit or nothing like that. But here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking so many churches, so many Christians are, are getting fed, you know, sugar-coated gospel stuff that when stuff starts happening, they're going to say, hey, this God stuff didn't work out. Right? Could that be a possibility? Could be a possibility, right? I mean, but when you're grounded in the word of God, when you're grounded and you're tight with God, I love this. I think I told the story last week when Paul gets gets stoned to death and killed preaching. Right. They drag him out of the city. So the saints stand around him and pray. God raises him from the dead. What does he do? He goes back to preach the second service. How do you how do you stop people like that? You don't. They change the world. But friends, we've got to be people of the word to change the world. Uzziah prepared for them shields. We have a shield of faith. 
spears. We had the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Helmets, slings, all these things. God has given us so many things in our, for our life and for our protection. He's given us prayer. He's given us worship. He's given us fellowship. He's given us His Word. He's given us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? Here's some things we might not think is part of spiritual warfare. God will give us favor. God will open doors. God will give opportunities to make an impact for him. Isn't that cool? I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited about this kind of stuff. Well, uh, uh, he has them prepared. We need to be prepared for battle. Uh, ready because, uh, friends, they will come. If you haven't uh, experienced it, trust me, it will, it will happen. Now, you don't have to be a Sunday school teacher or pastor or anything. If you're a mom or dad, prepare your children. Right? You know what's a good habit for your kids? Instead of letting them play on the tablet 15 minutes before they go to bed, sit down and read them a Bible story. They make some great children's Bible book things. Really cool. And the best part is, is the lettering's big so I can read them. <laughs> well, my grandkids just think it's awesome because Grandpa can read. You know? But there's a lot of ways to prepare. Let's keep going here. Uh, where did I leave off? Check out verse 15. This is really cool. And he made devices, the actual word there is machines or engines in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners, check them out, these weapons, to shoot arrows. I picture like a Gatling gun, but with arrows, isn't that awesome? <laughs> and that would shoot large stones like catapults or something. God gave him the wisdom to, to direct these guys to build these things. For he was marvelously helped. Now underline this next little three-letter word. Till he became strong. Friends, here where we change the narrative a little bit, and this is so, so important. A lot of people will get victory. God is moving in their life, and they're, they're having some success, and they become strong. But look at verse 16. But, boy, that's a dangerous word. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord, his God, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Let's talk about this just a little bit here. Friends, we all love to be blessed by God. We all love success, right? We all seek that. God wants us to be blessed. God wants us to be successful. But we need to be very careful because... As Paul said, be careful when you think you stand lest you fall. There's a very dangerous element to Christianity, and that's called pride. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Kind of a cute little story. Gilbert, come up here for a second. Let me use you as an example. <laughs> Sucker. We were talking, we, we, we prayed before we were going in there, and we were kind of jesting about, you know, sometimes Christians can be very prideful. So we were talking about pride prayer, and, and I told him, here's how you shut someone up when you're praying. <laughs> can everyone see this okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll put up. So if you're in a prayer circle, and you, go, you always know when someone's pride praying, right? They're just, they're tearing it up, and. He's like, oh, God. And I told, <laughs> told Gilbert, here's how you stop that. While they're praying, just simply do this. 
<laughs> Shut down a prayer meeting right like that, man. <laughs> I got another one, Gilbert. No, I'm kidding. What else you can do? Because some some men's prayer group they they pray like this, you know, they're praying like that, and if some kids go too long, just reach over and grab their earlobe. But pride can be very, very dangerous for the Christian. Because we start forgetting that it's God who gives the increase. And not us. We just simply get to be along for the ride. So God gave him this military success. He was brilliant in his mind. I didn't mention it, just quickly said that he had farmers because he loved the soil. You know, he was king by profession. But his heart, he was a farmer. He loved agriculture and he, he, he was successful. You know, he turned deserts into beautiful, lush places and God gave him all this. But the one thing God did not allow him to do was take the office of a priest. Now in the Old Testament, only the Levitical priest could do that. There was a purpose for that. It's all a, a painting, a picture of showing us how Jesus was our ultimate high priest. And now because of Jesus, we can go boldly into the throne room of God, right? But back then, it was only the Levitical priest. But here, he's, he's thinking he can do it his way. Now, there's also a great danger for people, even today, that think that they can approach God in just any way. I'm doing a funeral for a childhood friend this afternoon who uh, over the years he's had some, some challenges and stuff physically and I've had a chance to talk to him and every time I'd give him the gospel he would always say this and I've heard other people say this and it just, it just really rings my heart because, well, it's this. Me and God work something out. Jesus worked something out. Right? Jesus said at the... He's talking about death in John 14 the first six verses. In verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. He's talking about the way to heaven, the way to God. He is the, the one and only way. I am the truth. There's a lot of lies out there about how to get to heaven. There's a lot of lies out there about how to be in a relationship with God. There's a lot of lies out there about who Jesus is, right? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life, true eternal life. Now there's, I don't want to call it a false eternal life, but friends, there's eternal life, and you either, you're going to spend it with the God you serve. Whether that's the great Jehovah through his son Jesus, or eternity in hell. You'll spend eternity with the God you choose. And then he says, no man comes to the Father except through me, Jesus only. And God has made it so easy. Man has complicated it. Uzziah thought, I'm going to get to God on my own. Friends, you can't do that. We have to come the way through Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, he decides that he's going to, to burn the incense, something only the priest can do. Verse 17, so Azariah the priest went after him. Thank God for men and women of God who will still stand up for God. Who aren't afraid. Boy, we need, you know what we need to hear from pulpits? That heaven is real. Hell's real. 
sin's real, and Jesus is the answer. Right? Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll clean out your church. Well, duh. <laughs> right? But we're talking about an eternal thing here. This priest, he went out there and 80 priests with him. They were, I love this, valiant men. Whoever, whoever started painting the pictures that Christians were wimps ain't following the Bible, right? Moses, I love this. Moses, the meekest man in the world, he was stronger than an acre of garlic, this guy, right? I mean, he's taking on Pharaoh and doing this stuff. Just being a Christian don't mean you're a wimp. Now don't go out and do something stupid. We're, we're to be loving, valiant men and women, right? But uh, these priests, this is the king who's got an army of over 300,000. He's got some mad weapons. They said, king, you can't come in here. You can't do this. To stand up for what's right, to stand up for what, what, what's God is so important. So they said, you can't do that. Well, it says in, in uh, uh, verse 18, and they with, withstood King Uzziah and said to him, it is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who were consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, <laughs> for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. They told him straight up, O king, God loves you, wants to bless you. This might not be the best idea. They said, you get out of here. You're breaking the law of God. Verse 19, Uzziah became furious. This word furious is the type of furious that means to be whipped into a storm. He starts screaming at these guys and just going crazy. And he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. So he had live fire in his hand, this in incense. And while he was angry, and again, this anger means raging like a storm with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead, forehead before the priest of the house uh, beside the, uh, the incense. So he's in the holy place. And he's rejecting what the priest is saying. And he's determined to get to God his own way. And God hits him with leprosy on his forehead. Why the forehead? Why is the mark of the beast going to be on the forehead and the hand? Forehead is, represents what we think. The hand represents what we do. Everything we think, everything we do. This gives us a little insight into what's going on in his mind. That leprosy, what's leprosy a picture of in the Bible? Sin, corruption. Verse 20, and Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him and there on his forehead was, the, was leprous and they thrust him out. Again, this, this is good for the priest to get him out of there, but they weren't supposed to touch lepers. But to save themselves, to save this guy, they, they tackle him thrusting him out it says they thrust him out of that place indeed he also hurried to get out because the lord had struck him now it being on his forehead he couldn't see it don't know if it started spreading he could feel don't know what but it dawned on him oops so now he's helping them carry him out he's get, he's getting out of dodge right verse 21 that's the the verse that we started out and king uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. Check this out. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. Now it doesn't say there, but we can say because he was a leper. Then Jotham, his son, was king over the king's house, judging the people of the land. 
because he was a leper. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from the first to the last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. And again, in the book of, of Isaiah, we learn some more of his life. Verse 23, so Uzziah rested with his fathers and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belongs to the king. He didn't get to go in the king's tombs because he was a leper. He got buried with the other ones. For they said he is a leopard. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Now with leprosy being a picture of sin, we see through Uzziah sin's horrible effect. Notice, first of all, what sin will do, friends, is sin will kill you. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And not only physical death, but he's talking eternal spiritual death here. To be separated from God for eternity. Very scary. Sin will cause you, as we see here, it cause you to live in isolation. Sin will remove you from loved ones. A lot of people, because of their sin, they lose their families, their friends. And the family and friends that they replace them with aren't the kind that you want. Very isolating. Third result of sin in Uzziah's life and also any person's life is Uzziah could never again go to the house of God. You ever notice that sin keeps you away from God? Friends, if you're involved in something in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has a wonderful job. One of the wonderful jobs does is what we call conviction, and that's God's gentle touch saying, hey, 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 hey. That's not right. You need to stop that. You need to reject that. You need to return to me. That's an act of love from the Lord. Now, if we reject conviction and we reject conviction, we then create a stone wall. And the Holy Spirit will say, okay. Isaiah, the prophet, tells us that it's our sin that separates us from God. Friends, you can't have a proper fellowship and relationship with God if you're living in continual sin. We're all going to sin, we're people. But there's a difference between a oops, oh man, and a I'm going to do this because the guy on TV says, God loves me and I can do whatever I want. I got, I got, I got liberty and license in the Lord. No, you don't, dummy. I didn't mean it looking at you, Gilbert. I just, you're just being picked on today. Man, sorry, bro. Right? There's a difference between liberty and license. We have freedom. But we have freedom to live for God, not to live against Him. Make sense? And lastly, we see from sin, and i got to close this up, is uh, you'll be replaced. His son started taking care of business while he was still alive. Many people who, because they've lost their family, because they've gotten involved in things, they've lost their job, you'll be replaced. Someone else will raise your children. Someone else will love your wife, your husband. Someone else will replace you in that job. You know, when I retired from the first time from the funeral home, I thought, how is this place going to operate without me? They did just fine. <laughs> but sin will 
cause you to be replaced. Does that make sense, all that? Friends, sins is very, very serious. And God is very serious. The first part of Uzziah's life is what God wants for us. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to be victorious. He wants us to live in his fullness of his purpose and plan for our life. And I think we all want that, right? But the dangers in the end part of his life where he got a little puffed up, he got a little prideful, he wanted, he wanted to manipulate God to his pattern and not manipulate himself to God's pattern. You see what I'm saying? And it cost him dearly. That's all I got for today. And everyone said, <laughs> I thought you were going to say praise the Lord, but that's even better. Let's stand as we close. Worship people come up here. <laughs> Isn't this an interesting life, an interesting study? Yeah, go ahead and read Second uh, Kings at fourteen of those other, the, the summaries of those other kings. Uh, please, I still invite you to, to do that, and then we'll we'll pick up from there next week. Well, if you're visiting with us, this might be a little bit different church service than you're used to. We we're just going through the Bible the way God gave it to us, and that is from front to back and everything in between. And we try to look at the scriptures. The New Testament tells us that these things were written down so that we could learn from them that we can apply their principles to our life. And that's what, that's what we try to do. And right now at the end of our study, we have a brief altar time. I'm going to say a prayer to conclude our study. And when I say amen, we open up the altars for prayer. Uh, Gilbert's going to join me up here. You can pray with him, don't get it? He just happened to be the pick on one today. Uh, but the altar time is a very special time. It's where we give you an opportunity to Take care of some business with God. And we invite you to come forward if you need to pray. We'd love to pray with you and for you. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you found yourself like Uzziah and you think you've got a deal worked out with God, but you've never truly surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus put it in, in this phraseology. He said you must be born again. That's a very simple thing. It's simply confessing that I'm a sinner that desperately needs a Savior. And that Jesus, you are that Savior. I repent. I acknowledge my sin and I turn from it. And I turn to you. Very simple. And God will invade your heart and your life. And you'll never be sorry. Maybe you need that today. Maybe, maybe you need God to help you knock down some walls that have been holding you bondage today. He's a great chain breaker and wall tear downer. Maybe you need to construct some towers of defense. Whatever it is, God wants to help you today, and he'll do it. So as soon as I say amen, worship team is going to lead us in a song. We ask that you join us in prayer for the song, and the altars be open. We invite you to come forward, and we'll pray with you. Then when that's done, we will close in congregational prayer. Once again, afterwards, if you'll come see me, I'd like to give you our, the contribution statements. Just because I'm cheap, I don't want to buy stamps. But uh, let's be honest here. You know, so, Right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wonderful word. Thank you that we can gather together and that we can study it. Lord, the life of Uzziah is very interesting. We see how much you want to bless us, how much you want to use us, Lord, how you will use us even to bring life to a desert, Lord. But Father, we have to reverence and respect you. So Lord, we're, we're warned today in the ending of Uzziah's life. May we not take sin for granted. May we not take our salvation for granted. May we serve You completely and totally, Lord. Father, help all of us 
to reflect and obey what we saw on the screen today, Matthew 6.33, that we would seek You and Your righteousness first and then trust You with everything else. For it's in Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship God.